Thank you, guys. You know, we're going to get into the Word, and I'm bringing a, a word called the gateway to greatness this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your Word. We pray, let it be a two-edged sword today. Let it have sharpness, Father, to cut things away that may hinder us, and let it be a nurturing power that enforces us, that enables us to grow in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. So we believe in the Word of God here. Hey, gateway to greatness. Um, I did a little bit of a a social media post this week. Well, actually last weekend when I was at the Australian Open. Um, I actually use Roger Federer as an analogy in a lot of training that I do in different places when I'm encouraging people really uh, to kind of go to that next level in whatever they're doing. And I call it the Federer Factor. Everyone say Federer Factor. And uh, the Federer Factor is what I love about Federer is uh, he is someone who is world-class status he's won the most grand slams of most of any other male tennis player and yet he's still as humble enough to do what to actually say hey i'd like to have a coach uh he invites someone else into his world to stand next to him and identify the blind spots in his life to identify the areas that he could improve on the court whether he could hit the forehand better he could fine tune And I find sometimes when it comes to greatness, well, not sometimes, a lot of the time when it comes to greatness, it's important to uh, look at this factor of how humble are we to actually be okay to invite uh, people into our world to give us some feedback to help us navigate through this journey of life growth and highlight where we can fine-tune and where we can improve. Who knows, sometimes it's tempting to wear the, e- the, the, the ego mask. Come on now, you know what I'm saying. Wear that mask like, hey, I've got it all together, brother. It's all right, you don't need to, to let me know about anything because I'm, I'm actually all got it together. And I kind of already know that. I've already been there, I've already done that. So what you're telling me isn't really new to me. Has anyone been in a training session before, maybe at work, and you've heard someone respond that way? There's been a trainer in the room, and they start talking about something, and they, get, they want to get feedback. And the, there's maybe, it wouldn't be you, of course, but maybe someone else in the room has said something like, yeah, look, I get all this, but I've actually heard this before, and I kind of already, already know this. You know what I love uh, when, when someone kind of says something like that? Um, I love hearing people respond saying, well, you might know it all, but are you actually applying it? See, it doesn't matter how much you know, it, it matters actually how much you're applying, and I think that's a key to greatness. It's about uh, being humble enough uh, to know that we can fine-tune our life. And, you know, there's so many different definitions of greatness in the Bible. For example, you could be sitting here thinking, I bet your pastor Brad's going to talk about servanthood, because Jesus declared that the greatest of those are the people that actually lay down their lives for, for the people around them. And, and, you know, so I could go down the angle of servanthood, leadership, and being a servant, um, there's other things that could be about, you know, reaching your potential, uh, about uh, doing all those types of things. So there's different angles. But the angle that I'm going with today around greatness is actually, I think, one of the most important angles we need to explore always. And that is applying wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. Let's say it again. Wisdom. wisdom. Good. All right. You're still with me. Uh, Julie and I have been speaking the last couple of weeks and, and you've been hearing, you know, from the Lord about wisdom and getting into Proverbs and and I want to declare uh, before you, I believe that this, is, this should be a proverbial season. What does that mean? That you really need to seek after wisdom in this particular season. I believe that it's, it's a prophetic uh, focus on it, that God actually wants us to come into a new place of greatness. He wants us to come into a new place of effectiveness. He wants us to come into a new place of of capacity and in order for us to do that we have to actually pursue wisdom those things uh, new uh, authority influence uh, new levels of capacity new levels of effectiveness obviously will position us into this thing called greatness but i think the biggest key or the most important ingredient the gateway to greatness that unlocks that particular path is wisdom and so i want to look to the great example of solomon uh, this morning as we start. Uh, so 1 Kings, if you can turn to your Bibles, we're going to look at 1 Kings uh, chapter 3. Look at that rain. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Hopefully the word will just wash over us this morning, bring a refreshing wind. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 3 verses 4 to 15. We're really going to get into this and AV team's going to work with me here. So you've got the scriptures up there as well. Let's read through this. The most important, we, we're starting with uh, the most important. You got the the notes there, Sam? Uh, The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there 
and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. The night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Verse 6, Solomon replied, You, should, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David. So he's talking to God, and he's reflecting on how God related to his father, David. King David, uh, who was the king of Israel, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. So he's talking to God and saying, God, you're faithful. You're faithful with your promise that David's lineage or David's generation would be influential, would be great. And he's declaring to God, before he actually talks in more detail to God, he's, he's reiterating to God, and I think this is a sign of greatness, when you acknowledge God's faithfulness in your life, when you acknowledge uh, the Word of God in your life, when you acknowledge the promises of God in your life, when you give it reverence, when you give it value, when you give it honor, when you give it respect, people of greatness, they put reverence on the character of God. And this is what Solomon is doing here. You showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Verse 7. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. Everyone say humble. Come on now. Everyone say admission. Everyone say confession. Everyone say declaration. Everyone say reality check. So he's just said, God, you're amazing. You are faithful. You are wonderful. You have honored my father. You've, you've been faithful with your promises towards him. Even your promise that, that, that I would come into a place of influence after him as his successor. You have done that. I just want to tell you how amazing you are, how great you are. And now I need to tell you how non-amazing I am. Now I need to tell you how much I'm kind of struggling a bit here, God. I really actually feel like a little child. Everyone say humble. Because pride will prevent you from being honest with your God. And I think being honest with your God is one of the key gateways to greatness. Come on now. Who believes that? And so Solomon here is, is modeling for us a gateway to greatness. And in, in, in verse uh, 8, and here I am in the midst of your own chosen people. So verse 7, it says, I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. Verse 8, and here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. So he's saying to God, I feel like I'm a little child. I don't really know the way to go. And you put me in this responsibility to, to lead a nation so great with so many people. So in one statement, he's acknowledging his weakness. He's humbling himself before God. But yet at the other, he's identifying that how important it is to do that because of the responsibility that God is giving him. Verse 9, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? So verse 9 is a request. Everyone say request. Give me an understanding heart. Another way of saying that is give me wisdom. Give me an understanding heart. Verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. Verse 11, so God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies. Verse 12, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had or, or will ever have. Verse 13, and I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Verse 15, then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And then he invited all his officials to a great banquet. He celebrated because God not only released a spirit of wisdom upon him that would be resounding, but he also gave him the other things that he didn't even ask for. Who knows the scripture in the Bible 
where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else shall be added unto you. We're going to look at that, one, that wisdom is not just a characteristic of God. In fact, wisdom, God is wisdom. So, so it's not like wisdom is just a characteristic of God. Wisdom is not just an adjective to describe what God's like, but God is wisdom. So when you look at the scripture in the New Testament, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does righteousness mean? His perfect character, his perfect makeup, who he is, his DNA. When you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be added unto you. Well, this is an interesting Old Testament kind of alignment here because Solomon, rather than seeking first wealth, come on now, rather than seeking first uh, that his enemies were to be slaughtered, rather than seeking long life, he first sought after wisdom, which actually is God. Come on now. When you seek wisdom, when you ask for wisdom, you are literally saying, God, I want you in my life. I need you in my life. I want more of you, God. I think sometimes we think wisdom is this nice little cute kind of characteristic over here that's a bit square and a bit nerdy. Come on now, isn't it? Right? Well, you have to say no to social media, you know, when you're kind of just, you know, taking little selfies to get little likes because you might have a bit of a, a need for approval. Nothing against any selfies here. But you know what I'm saying? When you're on social media a little bit too long, a little bit too much, you keep checking how many Instagram hearts you've been given for that selfie photo rather than spending some more time here because maybe we consider it as a bit, you know, nerdy where we've got to study the Bible and, and you know, study and watch documentaries rather than watching the latest movie. Any of that kind of stuff. Sometimes we label this like it's a little bit of a killjoy. It's a bit nerdy. Yes, it's nice, it's good, but it's a bit smart, it's a bit inside the boxes, ticking the boxes. It's wisdom that's not. No, God is wisdom. The great almighty God is wisdom. When you seek after God, come on now. Oh, I want to soak in the Lord's presence. Bro, I just want to be with the Lord. To hang out with God, to seek God is actually to want to attain more wisdom. To allow God's heartbeat, His mindset, His DNA to rub off, rub off on you and to get inside of you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Sarah, for helping me to articulate. I went into a dangerous little alleyway there and uh, almost said the wrong thing. Amen. Let's give Pastor Sarah a round of applause. <laughs> Whew, thank you, wife. So this... <laughs> This is amazing passage of scripture, really, where Solomon is told by God, ask me for anything. Ask me for anything, and I'll give it to you. Ask me for anything. Imagine if Jesus was sitting beside you right now over a cup of tea and a piece of Vegemite toast, saying, ask me for anything, and I'll give it to you. What would your response be? Come on now. Come on. And I think sometimes if we were tempted to respond too quickly. Like in life, we're tempted sometimes to make choices or decisions too quickly based on how we feel, based on the situation. We might quickly talk about something that will give us a quick fix in our life. Maybe your first response to Jesus might, if you can just fix my relationship, can you just fix my finances, can you just fix my car, whatever it is. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But can I tell you, God loved the response of Solomon. Because even the response of Solomon showed wisdom in itself to seek after wisdom. See, God actually in this scripture here is saying that he kind of expected Solomon to ask for long life or to ask for him to be made rich or to ask for his enemies to die. But above anything else, he said, what I want is wisdom. So he recognized that what was big and important in his life was wisdom. And I want to encourage you this morning just to take a self-assessment. Because Solomon was saying, I am like a little child in front of this massive task before me called life. I'm like a little child and I need help. And then he asked for wisdom. We're going to look today at three reasons. Three reasons why God wants you to ask him for wisdom. And not just one off today in response to this message, but to make it a repeated pattern or habit in your life. To humble yourself before God when it's required. And to... Say, God, you know what? In this situation, God, in this circumstance, in this season, I am like a child in front of this responsibility. God, I need your wisdom. We're going to look at three reasons. Why not just why you should ask for wisdom, but more importantly, why does God want you to ask for wisdom? So we're going to look at you know, the encouragement today to have a little bit of a self-assessment. Who knows it's good to self-evaluate, right? Just to take a check. 
That's in itself wisdom. And what I love about Solomon's decision here is, watch this, his decision to ask for wisdom, his choice was because he wasn't just focused on his immediate self. He was actually focused on legacy. He was focused on the impact of other people around him. And can I tell you that wisdom will cause you to make choices that gets you to focus on legacy, that gets you to focus on the longer term, that gets you to focus on the people around you, the community that you're within, the marriage that you're in, the family that you're in. Wisdom will cause you, it will challenge you, it would ask of you to think about when you make your decisions, are you making your decisions just based on your immediate short-term fixed need Or is it that you're actually got an insight to that you've called to not just impact your life, but others around you and for the future generations to come? Come on now. You need wisdom because it's attached to your purpose. You need the wisdom of God because it's going to help you to navigate your calling. Is there anyone out there today who's hungry? Hungry. I was going to say hungry. That's what we said to Zara. Are you hungry? (laughs) Anyone out there today who's hungry for more wisdom from God? Come on now. In Proverbs 4, 5, it says, get wisdom, get understanding. Four words, two sentences. Get wisdom, get understanding. Above all things, actually, is the preface of that. Above all things, above everything else. Think about it. This is what Solomon did. Above everything else, what should you ask for? What should you seek after? Get wisdom, get understanding. Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold? And good judgment than silver. Again, it's elevating the value of wisdom. It's elevating the seeking after this asset, this treasure, this richness called wisdom. That God says, do you know how rich, do you know how much depth there is in wisdom? Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom and gold and good judgment than silver? Get wisdom better than having gold. Better benefits having wisdom than having a million dollars in your bank account. Turn the person next to you and go, ooh. Turn the other person to the other side and say, oh. All right. You know, I want to uh, just take a little moment before we get into these three reasons why God wants you to ask Him for wisdom. If I reflect on my own walk, I remember a season when I think I was about two and a half, three years being a man of God, being a Christian. And uh, it was a season where God was really saying to me, hey, you know what? Can I just sit down and have a cup of tea and Vegemite on toast with you? Brad, and can I just let you know something? What's that, God? I just want to let you know that I think right now in this season, you need to recognize, you need to understand that you really need a whole lot more wisdom. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. Hmm. And then I kind of ignored it for about two months, <laughs> which wasn't wise. And then I remember we had this, uh, this church that I was raised in. Uh, we had this, like a, it was like a, kind of like a, a Sunday night service. We had like, a, like an ev- prophetic evangelist there. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those nights where, there was a little bit of extra edge on the atmosphere. And there was an altar call at the end. And uh, the altar call, it was like the Spirit of God was just pouring out of this altar call. And I went to the front, and I was just thought I was going to be there for about 30 seconds, just responding, you know, get a little bit of a touch from God and go back to my seat. I was there for like maybe 20, 25 minutes. The service had ended. Uh, people were fellowshipping in the cafe, and I was just there, right? It was just a pouring out. And God was just getting my attention. And he was basically saying this. If you do what I ask and you seek after wisdom like you never have in your entire life, Brad, watch and wait and see what I'm going to do. So what I did was I uh, called my youth pastor uh, at the time and I said, hey, this is what happened. And I said, do you have any good books on wisdom? And anyway, he said, yeah, I'm actually reading one right now. I said, that's funny. So he recommended this book from a, a, a pastor or leader who's based in Perth. And so I ordered this book through Kurong and um, in an amazing book. If anyone here wants to know what it is, you can come up to me uh, at the end of the service or during the cafe, and uh, I'll tell you what it is, and we can send the link to you if you want to. But this book was talking about just, it just smacked me in the middle of my face, actually, in a good way, about the principles of wisdom. It talked about wisdom around time, use of your time. It said, be careful, 
to think you've got all the time in the world. Get going, get going now. It said, you know, your money. What's your relationship with your money? Get wisdom around your finances. It said, get wisdom around your sexual desire. Make sure you're managing it and you take dominion over it. It's not ruling you, but you're ruling over it. It talked really straight up about your flesh, sexual desire, time management, finances, all to do with the, the, the scriptures of God. It talked about relationships. It talked about applying godly wisdom. And it, above all, it starts with to seek wisdom at all costs, to seek understanding and to really just go after um, the, the things of God, but mainly to go after understanding and getting the wisdom of God. It encourages to get into Proverbs. I started studying Proverbs like I'd never studied before. I was reading the stories of Proverbs and it was convicting me. Things like, what do you look at? What don't you look at? Where do you spend your time? You know, don't be lazy, work hard. All of these fun themes that we don't sometimes like to listen to. You know what I'm saying? But you know, you ever read Proverbs? And it's just kind of like, you know, it's just smacking you in the face. Has anyone ever experienced what I'm talking about? Well, can I tell you, this is a proverbial season. Be smacked in the face with the Word of God. Let yourself be smacked in the face, in a good way, right in the middle of your eyes with Proverbs, with uh, books of wisdom, because I'm telling you, you're going to benefit from it. The, the point of that story is this. I came away from investing in that season and I just had more confidence because I had clarity of mind to be able to have a new perspective. There was a new level of wisdom that God had poured into my life and I could see things differently. I could understand my values better, why I'd make the right choices. I, I put, oh, I, and it was just something was birthed within me. It wasn't necessarily anything that I did. It was just something about I put a lot more value on long-term things. And I started denying my flesh, becoming more disciplined, putting things aside and these things just started manifesting around me called results, <laughs> called fruit, called being able to pay my bills, called being able to manage my time and actually turn up on time and being reliable, which then led to other things. My relationships were not so kind of, you know, prickly because I learned to be quiet and not talk too much and not just say the first thing that came into my head. Come on now. Wisdom. I learned to listen. All these things. So I want to encourage you that it doesn't matter where you are. You know, right now I'm in a season where God is saying to me, hey, you remember that time? Because I'm, you know, I'm into reading, but lately I've been having a bit of a wisdom holiday. Not that I've been unwise, but I've been kind of like, you know what? We're in a good place. Life's great. Got some great fruit happening. Love God. Love being a dad. Love being a husband. Hey, church, we love church. You know, God's just rocking. And God's like, hey, come and have a cup of tea and Vegemite and toast with me. When was the last time you really kind of, you know, decided to, to get reading again and really get into it? So I'm preaching to myself this morning. Is that okay? Come on now, is that all right? And I want to say to you, this is a season where we need to really get in and, and grow in wisdom and fine-tune and sharpen. And look at Fedra. You know, three years ago, or maybe even four years ago, he wasn't, over that period of time, actually, the last three or four years, he wasn't winning Grand Slams. Come on now. He was struggling to beat Nadal Djokovic. And a lot of the commentators were saying, he kind of really isn't changing up his game. He's not really doing anything differently. He's kind of in comfort zone. You know, he's staying back. He's not really going to the net. He should be going to the net a lot more. He needs to change up his serve. Come on. Nadal keeps keeping him in the backcourt of his backhand. He keeps slicing the backhand. Why does he come over that backhand more? And you had, you know, these different people that were saying from the commentator's box, why isn't he doing something different? Why isn't he fine-tuning and applying his approach? And you know what? He injures himself and... Uh, bathing his little girl actually he, he knocks his knee and uh, and then he has to have surgery he has to take six months off and in the six months that he took off he said that he decided to really investigate his game he brought in new coaches he brought in new analysts and he said i had to humble myself right now i don't know if fedra is a man of god or not he may be may not be but at the end of the day we can still catch something here this principle is that in this area where he is called, he's got a calling to really be great. He's a man of greatness in this particular sport, right? Even he had to humble himself. Even he'd had years of success. He had to humble himself if he wanted to step into the new thing. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how successful or unsuccessful you see yourself in your relationship with Jesus as a man or woman of God. Can I say to you, this is a season where God would say, it doesn't matter whatever the past success, doesn't matter what the past values have been, he's calling you into a new season of fine-tuning and wisdom. Who believes that? Let's give God some praise about that. 
Awesome. Reason number one. Why God wants us to seek after wisdom. Number one. The first thing is because God is wisdom. Everyone write that down. God is wisdom. He himself is wisdom. So he wants you to seek after wisdom because he wants you to seek after him. Come on now. In Revelation chapter 7, let's go to the last book of the Bible. Yeehaw. Revelation chapter 7, verses 11 to 12. Thanks, AV team. Awesome. Verse 11. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshipped God. So they're focusing God. They were looking at God. They were worshipping God. And then they sang about what they saw was so amazing about God. And they sang this. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. They were singing about these seven particular things, these aspects about who God was. Blessing, glory, wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. Thanksgiving, honor, power, strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Can I tell you this? When you seek wisdom, you're seeking an understanding of eternity. You're seeking a long-term, not just a transactional, one-off, microwave, quick fix. Come on now. That sometimes as Christians, we can tempted to have the minds, oh, Jesus, just come down from heaven and fix me with your magic wand. Come on now. We know that we worship a miraculous God, but who knows that God, to build capacity in us, to build a fight, to build a spirit of perseverance, would say, I want this person to get down on their hands and knees and to cry out to me and to ask me to pour wisdom into their life. Because when you pour after wisdom, you pour after a characteristic that is forever. Come on now. It says that God will have these things forever and ever. When you seek after wisdom, it actually connects your calling, your purpose, your sense of identity, not just this season, but forevermore. You start to think generationally. You start to think the reason why I need to become disciplined and I need to become sharpened as a father is because it's not all about me and what I want to do today and tomorrow. It's about my son. It's about my daughter. It's about my grandchildren. It's about my wife. It's about the generational blessing. I need to get disciplined because it's not just about me. It's not just about me. When we seek wisdom... We become more effective in walking out the purpose and calling that's attached to eternity. So these seven descriptors of God. Number seven actually talks about another verse where it says strength. Another version, it says holy. And that word holy is about completeness of character but what's interesting is there's seven characteristics here in this scripture in the book of revelation and this the number seven means perfection the number seven means completeness the number seven means whole catch this it's declaring when these beautiful creatures of god are worshiping god in this time zone which is endless called eternity They're reflecting on these seven attributes of the character and the heart of God, one of them being wisdom. And when those seven things come together, it makes God complete. It makes God perfect. Come on now. It makes Him whole. So how can you transition from brokenness, being not whole, into a place of more victory and becoming healed and becoming unbroken? God says one ingredient, one part of it is to seek wisdom is to find wisdom, is to ask God for wisdom. So one of the reasons is God is wisdom. If God is wisdom, we cannot have God without wisdom, meaning we can't seek after God and not be impacted by actually increasing in, in wisdom. And I'm going to seek after wisdom while I'm seeking after God. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when we, when we get into the Word of God, when we're reading our Bible, when we're wanting to get in the presence of God, when we're seeking God, we're seeking after God, that's a part of our growth in growing in wisdom. And so, number one, seek wisdom. Why does God want us to? Because He is wisdom and He wants us to seek Him. Everyone say amen to that. Number two, second reason why God wants us to seek after wisdom is because wisdom is hidden. And God 
hides wisdom because he wants you to find it. And that's a qualifier. Your pursuit of wisdom will cause you to change. Your fight in this season to go to that next level will cause you to change. It will change you because one, it humbles you like Solomon. He said, God, you're amazing. You're faithful. You're perfect. You've honored your word. And now I need to declare, and I'm like a little child who's got no idea what to do. Let me humble myself before you. You know, the Bible says that pride repels God. But humility draws God. And if God is wisdom, then humility draws wisdom into your life. And so to actually receive wisdom, we have to ask for it. To ask for wisdom, we have to humble ourselves. To humble ourselves attracts God who is wisdom. Is anyone getting this today? Let's look out now in Scripture here for Colossians. Bring on the rain. Woo! Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. So second reason that God wants us to search for wisdom in this season and for whatever season is appropriate. He's always probably wanting us to seek for wisdom. Why is it timely now? It's because it's hidden. Colossians 2.2, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. And so this scripture is talking about, a, you know, Let's have a spirit of encouragement. Let's have a spirit of unity and love that then we would pursue and get the full riches of wisdom and knowledge. And so it's saying here to look and to search for wisdom, but to look and to search for wisdom to know that it's not always going to be obvious. There's things that God will hide. Let's look at this. I mean, let me ask you this. Uh, have you ever spent quite a bit of time? I think, I think right now, even this week, right? The amount of time I've spent online looking for a bargain or looking for things I want to buy or doing a bit of research to kind of get the better price or kind of looking at, you know, different things that are, you know, I'm looking at purchasing right now or the time that I've spent on social media, you know, kind of looking at the filter didn't quite work on Instagram yesterday. I didn't really like that filter. I might use the other filter, right? Or, or I mean, I don't, I haven't spent a lot of time on Instagram, but I'm just saying, the time that you spend on these things, how much time did you spend on those things this week versus seeking out wisdom? Come on now. How much time did you spend on those trivial things versus reading a good couple of chapters of Proverbs and just writing two gold nuggets of takeaway and determining what are my action points, how am I going to actually walk that out this week? Come on, what time did you spend seeking after wisdom compared to being on social media or looking for a bargain? Rhetorical question. Maybe turn the person next to you and give them the answer. What's the comparison like? I know for me, I probably spend too much time doing a bit of research on things I wanted to buy rather than actually seeking wisdom this week. And so it happens to all of us. But I want to say this to you. You know, we were, at, uh, we were down at Melbourne looking uh, at the tennis and watching the tennis. And uh, we, it's so funny because I've tried so often to see, well, different tournaments I've gone to Brisbane International through, through the years and Fedra was um, enrolled into the the tournament, and then he, he lost early, so I didn't get to see him play. And then there's been different, you know, things. I've been trying to see Fedra play, and even at the Australian Open, get this, to make sure we saw Fedra play live, because that was the main reason why we went down there. We worked out that the fourth round, that'll be good matches, good quality matches. It's midweek, it's on the weekend, that's good, all right? And, uh, you know, Fedra always plays at night, because he's like, you know, he plays at night, and he plays center court. So we bought tickets for the round four uh, first night on center court, and the round four the next day, uh, during the night, so we bought the two night tickets because Federer would play on the centre court at night time, right? Because that's where the TV ratings is. Well, guess what? Every round Federer played on the centre court at night time, except for the round that we bought. <laughs> so we got tickets for one night, we got tickets for the next night, and the first night that we got tickets, Kyrgios plays Dimitrov, right? And then the second night we play, Djokovic played that Chung guy, which is an amazing match. And so what we had to do was buy tickets for the day as well. Everyone would say, oh, poor Brad. <laughs> we got them, and they were the cheapest tickets. And they, they were the best, weren't they? You remember that? Anyway, so we got to see Fedra live. Everyone give God some praise for that. Anyway, so we're in Melbourne, and uh, during the day, you know, we want to do stuff with the kids, obviously. You don't want to have them locked in the hotel room all day. That's called torture. 
And so we went to the Melbourne Aquarium. Really cool. If you get down to Melbourne, you've got young kids, go to the aquarium. Even Savannah, eight months old, she was just like, oh, this is amazing. And, um, but they had little things on for the kids, and we were kind of going through, but they had like, this little treasure hunt. And Zara and, and Savannah were so into things, they kind of didn't really see it, and we just kept walking. But what I noticed about the kids that wanted to get in the treasure hunt is that it was this family, and the kids were kind of bored. You know, I don't know if they were kind of just too cool for it, slightly a little bit older. I think he was about nine. He's just like, yeah, and he's kind of, you know, doing something with his mum's phone. And Anyway, you could tell the kids weren't really into it, right? And so anyway, one of the organizers comes over and says, hey, kids, we're about to do a treasure hunt. And uh, we're gonna re- there's cu- clues and cues all around the aquarium. And we've got this little map. And if you get to the end and you've got enough of the cues and clues, we'll give you a... Um, we'll give you a... Yeah, a prize at the end. So guess what happened? The kids are like, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. And they got all excited. And then they started to go, yeah, and they started to enjoy their crime. Can I say this to you? I think that God is actually looking to qualify people. So I think sometimes get bored. people get bored with life. They get comfortable. And they get kind of, you know, into this zone. But God's just saying, you know what? I've got some cues and clues lying around. They're not so obvious. I'm not just going to blurt them out to you. They're actually hidden a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit everywhere. And now I want to tell you, I want to send you on this little journey. I want to give you a little roadmap. I want you to find the cues and clues. And at the end, you're going to be rewarded for it. That's the same way that God wants us to seek after wisdom because it is hidden. Let's look at some scripture now to give us revelation of this. Proverbs 25, 2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Watch this. So part of God's glory is God's glory. Doesn't he? he doesn't just throw it all around. In fact, we're going to look at another scripture where Jesus says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't, don't just take all your wisdom and just throw it around where people can kind of look at it and then throw it back in your face and then have a go at you. God's glory and God's wisdom... He doesn't just throw it all around. He actually hides parts of it, particularly his wisdom. That's part of his glory. So in the scriptures here, it says, don't don't miss this point, church. I want you to really catch this. I'm going to emphasize it like it's a nail. I'm going to hammer it in. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's part of God's glory not to be so obvious. It's so important. It's so valuable. The wisdom of God is so valuable that He doesn't actually want everyone in anything just to be able to attain it so easily. He wants people to have to fight for it. He wants people to have to persevere a little bit. He wants people to have to actually struggle maybe a little bit to try and find some answers to break through. Have you ever felt like you have to kind of sometimes break through or push through to get an answer or to get some wisdom? Come on now. Well, that's a good thing. Why? Because the second part of this scripture tells us to search out a matter is the glory of kings. Who are the kings? You. Because we worship a God called the king of kings. You're called to be a king under the rulership of the king of kings. You're called to rule and reign with Christ Jesus. You're called to be an overcomer. You're called to be victorious. You're called to be a success. And part of the journey on you manifesting that glory, manifesting the glory of God, the glory of kings will glorify the king of kings is if you walk in wisdom, if you walk in truth, if you walk in humility, but if you walk out this thing called the wisdom of God because you've searched after it. I can tell you right now, there are Christians in Brisbane that I can think of like that, who I know seek after wisdom. I know they do. And because of that, they've got a certain level of wisdom in their life. And can I tell you, their life is fruitful. They've got glory of God on their life. They've overcome high levels of brokenness and there's glory on their life. No one's perfect. But there's a resemblance of the glory of God on people's lives. And I think a big gateway to that greatness, come on now, the glory of God on your life, your life glorifying God is because of your pursuit of wisdom. I've had people say to me, hey, Pastor Brad, how did you make that happen in your world? Pastor Brad, how come this is happening in your world? How did, how did you get there? Can I tell you the answer to all of those questions? 
right? I've got areas in my life that I need wisdom, I need to grow in, but there's some areas that are fruitful. I can tell you that the, the, the key, the gateway to that fruitfulness is because God has encouraged me to seek wisdom. And I say this in Ecclesiastes, I even say this to people in the marketplace. In Ecclesiastes, it says, there is nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom. It says, there's nothing new under the sun, which means there's no principle that comes from Brad Power that I've applied in my life. No, I can't give the glory to myself at all because everything that I've applied either has come from the Bible or has come from Christian books or has come from men and women of God or other men and women of wisdom that have applied principles that work for them and then they've sewn it into my life. Can I tell you, there's nothing new under the sun. So it's not about glorifying yourself, but it is about bringing glory to God because you're getting God's glory in your life because you pursued wisdom. And I want to highly encourage you, don't miss that point. Oh, don't miss that point. In Proverbs 25, 2, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. God's glory will not just be given to you on a silver platter, church. The wisdom of God will not just be handed to you. See, we get mixed up sometimes. Oh, but the grace of Jesus. The grace of Jesus. Freely given to us. Yes, absolutely. Because of nothing that you've done. A free gift. But once you take on the grace of Jesus, God says, now I want you to respond. Oh, I've given you an amazing gift. Now, how are you going to respond? Are you just going to live in that life of defeat, just saying, oh, but it's the grace of Jesus. I don't need to do anything. Well, no, you need to respond. Stand up. Obey the word of God. Get it in you. Seek wisdom. Apply it. Glorify God because God's glory is going to get on you. Sing out to me if you're getting something. Good. So our discovery of what is hidden leads to God's glory on our life, leads to greatness. The gateway to greatness is seeking wisdom because it is hidden. What's one of the reasons why God wants you to pursue wisdom? Because it's hidden. And I, I, I just feel this in the Spirit right now. I just sense in the Spirit that the Holy Spirit wants to encourage us and wants to say, hey, there are some people here who might be sensing a sense of lethargicness in your life. You're a bit... Maybe you've been enjoying the summer season a little bit too much. Or maybe you're up until 2 a.m. last night watching some movie. Who knows, right? But if there's ever this in your life right now, God wants you to know this. Think about the end of your think about the end of your life. Think about it. What's going to be important to you? Your legacy or how comfortable you feel? Think about it. One of the greatest motivators, I think, that God uses is discomfort. See, if you're sitting here today going, ah, do I really have to hear this word? I'm just, it just really makes me feel uncomfortable because I, I just don't really, I'm feeling really frustrated. I feel a bit lethargic about my life. Can we just go and eat the pizza, seriously? <laughs> I'll get a passive bad wisdom. God wants to seek wisdom because, you know, he is wisdom that's going to. <sighs> I get it. I feel like that sometimes as well. I think the key here is allow your discomfort to motivate you. Why does an eagle, a mother or a well, mother eagle, remove all of the, the soft nurturing stuff from the nest? Because the little eaglets, ow! Oh, this is not very fluffy and comfortable. And then it mo motivates the eaglet to kind of get out of that comfort zone and actually start to spread its wings and go, oh, oh wow, look over, look over here, look over the nest, look, oh, I'm going flying. And then the eagle starts to learn new things and fine-tune and goes into its potential and goes to where it's supposed to, and that's soaring up at the horizon level there. Come on now. God's saying it's time to rise up, and a key to it is to get uncomfortable. Allow that level of uncomfortableness right now to shake and say, hey, let's get out of our comfort zone. I'm pulling some soft cushioning out of the nest right now to make the bottom a little bit uncomfortable and say, hey, come on, let's shake it off and let's pursue wisdom. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, Jesus didn't just blah wisdom. He didn't just say, hey, I'm going to serve it on a silver platter and you don't have to do anything. He didn't actually do that. No, he said, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy and don't throw your pearls before, before swine because they will trample the pearls and then turn 
to you to trample you. You had someone who's a bit foolish. You know, they kind of think they know everything. <laughs> but it's really obvious that there's something in their life that really needs some assistance. And so you being, you know, someone who loves them goes and says, Hey, brother, sister, hey, I just wanted to encourage you, you know, that maybe you could look at maybe doing this a little bit differently because maybe it might create this different result. And have you ever had someone turn to you and go, Oh, yeah, well, what would you know? Like, why you shut up? I don't like you. Be quiet. Have you ever had anyone be nasty like that? Respond to you like that? So Jesus is saying, hey, as God, I don't just kind of just throw wisdom and all the pearls of heaven and all the revelation of scripture just out to everyone and anyone because it's so valuable. I don't just throw it in the laps of fools. No, I hold it hidden. I, I store it up. I put it in little proverbs, little analogies, little stories. That a fool who's not really motivated to grow, not humble enough, will just like, what's this? Yeah, what was you know? I'm not going to apply that. But it's the, the humble that seek wisdom that will say, but God, what does that mean? God, can you explain? What, when you open up the word of God and you don't quite get something, do you have the humility to say, God, Holy Spirit, can you, can you just reveal to me? What are you saying here? Teach me, show me, guide me, enable me. Wisdom is hidden. In Luke 8, the disciples asked Jesus what a particular parable meant. Jesus was putting some wisdom in it, something that he valued. He hid it. He didn't just blur it out. The story had wisdom in it. The disciples didn't just hear it. They didn't just have the whatever attitude. No, they actually responded to it. Luke 8, 9, 10. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledgeable, the knowledge, sorry, of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see. Though, though hearing, they may not understand. God does not want fools to understand his wisdom. Everyone say, ouch. God doesn't want foolish people to get his revelation. Watch this. Where does foolishness end and wisdom start? Because you might say, but I'm not a very wise person. So you're saying that Jesus doesn't want to give me wisdom? No. Come on now, catch this. Where does foolishness end and where does wisdom start? Foolishness ends when someone is willing to ask for wisdom. And wisdom starts when someone is willing to ask for wisdom. That's the transition. My question to you is, when was the last time that you honestly in your life, just you and God, whether you're on your knees, whether you're on your bed, whatever, when was the last time? Just you and God. Not on Facebook quoting something so you got 15 likes and how much revelation you got. Amen. Come on now. How much do we seek revelation to show off versus how much do we seek revelation for our own life? When was the last time you asked God, God, I really need wisdom from you on this. Just answer that in your heart. Because we can quote all stuff on social media. But yet, if we're wasting our time, we get to the end of the week and we didn't do anything we said we we're going to do. Come on now. Our money is still mismanaged. Our relationships are pear-shaped. And yet, we can put all these nice little scriptures on, on social media about how much we love Jesus. Everyone say, ooh. Everyone say, ouch. Is, is something underneath your bottom just getting removed right now? Is this feeling a little bit uncomfortable? It's good. Everyone say, it's good. So wisdom is not just going to jump into our lives. God is wisdom and we need to seek it out. I'm going to ask the music team, uh, whoever's organized, if they can come to come up. Thank you. He says here to us, I'm going to conceal wisdom. And Solomon's life was blessed and had God's glory on it because he asked for wisdom. Solomon's greatness, Solomon's effectiveness... Solomon's leadership, Solomon's legacy 
was opened up by the gateway of wisdom because he knew he had to ask for it because it wasn't just going to fall into his lap. If you're here today and you've been attracted to wisdom but you haven't actually asked for it, you haven't really positioned yourself before God, I want to just challenge you in a positive way right now. Just put more value and emphasis in this season on really seeking wisdom. Third and final reason of why God wants us to seek wisdom and therefore why we should be motivated to seek wisdom. Catch this. This is actually the most important one, I believe, for this season. It's because God actually wants to give wisdom generously. In his scripture, he says when he gives it, he doesn't just kind of give it. See, he hides it. He waits for the key, which is your humility to ask for it. And then when you ask for it, man, he gives it generously. And I think this is the biggest difference between a foolish Christian, if I'm honest, and a wise one. James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's why when someone asks for wisdom, they immediately transition from a place of foolishness to a place of wisdom. Because God says, I'm actually not going to find fault. But the key first, everyone say first, is will this person humble themselves and ask? Well, they ask. Because when they ask and they humble themselves, then the grace of God pours out and then he gives it generously. Solomon asked for it to help him lead people. Today, we've heard a testimony from King Solomon. Literally like King Solomon standing before you saying, can I test, be a testimony before you to say that the reason for the glory of God on my life is because I ask God for wisdom. If we ask for wisdom, He will not give it to us grudgingly or sparingly. But in James it says He will give it to us generously. To anyone who asks for wisdom, He will pour it out generously. And so I believe as we finish this morning that our prayer in this season, that this is a proverbial season, this is a season to get proverbial wisdom, to get into Proverbs, to get into Ecclesiastes, to seek after the wisdom of God, to read books, to study the Word of God, to get in times of prayer, to get on our hands and knees, to worship God. Because in this season, there are gold nuggets, there are mysteries, there's revelation, there's blueprints, there's strategies, there's insights, there's pathways that God wants to release. I believe that there are answers to problems in people's marriages if you would seek the wisdom of God. Come on. I believe that there are answers to problems and situations about finances if you would seek God. I'm hearing God say, let's let go of seeing Jesus as the magic genie that would just turn up and make everything 100% perfect without us having to do anything. God says, I'm interested in how you posture yourself. I'm interested in how you position yourself, that you would know that I want you to seek after wisdom because I am wisdom. And I would not want you to know that I want you to seek after wisdom because I've hidden it, because it's precious and it's valuable. And I want you to fight for it. I want you to knock on the door. I want you to seek. And if you seek, if you humble yourselves, if you cry out to me, the door will be open to you. And it will not be open to you just a bit, just a nudge, but it will be open to you generously, says God. For this is a season that I declare before you, says the Spirit of God, that I'm bringing answers and I'm bringing an awakening to an understanding of who you're called to be and what you're called to do. And it's going to touch on and it's going to impact like a tornado of waves upon waves or even better, a tsunami upon waves upon waves. There's going to be a touch on every area of your life. The Spirit of wisdom will not be held back from any area of your life, says God. I want to pour it out. I want to pour it out, says God. I want to bring answers. I want to bring strategies. 
I want to bring breakthroughs. I want to bring a solidification to your identity in Christ. I want to bring answers to prayers. I want to bring blueprints and downloads. I want to bring vision. I want to bring goals. I want to bring healing. I want to bring relational wholeness. God says, I want to bring answers in this season. But God says first, seek me. Knock on my door. Seek my wisdom because if you do, my grace will pour out in a new way, in a bold way, in a brave way, says the Spirit of God. Let's stand to our feet. Dear God, close your eyes. Lord, this morning we declare before you that you are holy, that you are perfect, that you're without blame. Father, we pray this morning that you are supercharging this atmosphere with faith and with a fight to pursue after you. So Lord, we just look to you right now. I'm going to ask for those ones. I'm going to give an opportunity for people to respond to this word. I feel there's a very strategic and specific moment right now where God's saying, hey, I want to see who really wants to respond to this word. So if you're here today, if you want more wisdom, if you'd say, God, I want your wisdom in this season. I want you to step out of the comfort of your seat. I just want you to stand at the front here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. We thank you, Father, that you're pouring out wisdom. You're pouring out understanding. We thank you, Lord. And we declare before you that 2018 is going to be an incredible, fruitful season. We thank you for the gateway to greatness, Lord, for your wisdom. And so, Father, as people here have responded, we cry out to you. And so lift up your hands or position yourself however you feel to, to just to let God know that not just my mind, not just my spirit, not just my soul, but my body, I want you to pour wisdom into my life. So, Father, we seek you. We seek your name, Jesus. We thank you for your word. And we ask you to pour out wisdom. Lord, we need you. We want more wisdom. Pour it out, God. We need your wisdom, God. We ask you to help us, to help us to walk this life of victory that you've called us to. We thank you, Lord. Help us in our marriages. Help us in our jobs. Help us in our parenting. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding, Lord, to walk out this season of victory. And we thank you, Lord. Lord, that we're scaling up, we're stepping up, we're stepping in a new place of capacity, we're becoming wiser, we're becoming more knowledgeable, we have greater understanding. Pour out your spirit of wisdom like you did upon Solomon. And I thank you, Lord, that we're seeking after you. We're seeking after your righteousness. We're seeking after the kingdom of God. And everything else will be added unto us. Lord, we declare this is a fruitful year. And so, Father, we're, pers- we're persevering. We're fighting right now. And I hear God say, just in this moment, do not get distracted. Look to God. Do not look to the person to the left. Do not look to the person to the right. But push everything else aside and allow your spirit to say, God, I partner with you. I'm one with you. I'm united with you. I stand with you. I walk with you. God, I need you. I need you, God. Jesus. So, Father, we thank you, Lord. There's a transaction taking place right now where, Lord, you're anointing. You're anointing that carries a spirit of wisdom is imparting into people. I see there's like a river flowing through here, but I see that there's like There's like literally identity shaping transactions happening right now. And God's saying, do not wait for the goosebumps. Come on now. Don't wait. It doesn't have to be goosebump city. God's saying, my spirit is here. Close your eyes. Get rid of the distractions and allow my spirit to touch you. God says, it doesn't have to be a tornado of goosebumps. God says, I'm in your midst. I am here with you. And because I'm here with you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, says God. Allow me to pour in. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. 
that you're doing something here right now.